Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 182 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we bring you Pony Groom, just horsing around. Here's your hosts, Woody and Chrissy. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting next to me is Chrissy. Hey, what do you know, girl? Hey, Woody. I'm terrific. How are you? I am so good. You brought some friends along tonight. I did. Friends from Ocala, the great state of Florida. We have Tim, known as Pony Groom, to some of his friends, and Lindsay. Hi. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the cast. Thank you. Awesome. So we understand that you're into pony play. Yep. What is pony play? Now, we've seen some dress up. We've seen ponies at, at kinky events and things like that. Give us a little background into where this came from and and the styles and things. Pony play arises naturally from people's desire to mimic animals. We have people practicing all over the world in different cultures and across history back to Aristotle, as far as it's been traced into drawings and writings. So they try to ride, do dressage, jump, do barrel races, whatever horses do. And then everything else stems from that. Um, mimicking of an animal. Some of the gear you have is really elaborate. I've seen very uh, extensive footwear, headgear. Oh, some beautifully elaborate headgear. And, I, you know, I've noticed that there's a difference in the headgear, too, depending on where you're located. Yes, there's stylistic differences. The most basic way to start, though, to be a pony usually involves a bit and a strap. So usually people start with a rubber pony training bit. It's four and a half inch long bar of rubber with metal rings on the end. And it's used by uh, actual horses when you train them initially, because the metal bit might be, well, kind of intimidating to the horses. It's also kind of intimidating for uh, people because if you uh, bite down too hard on the bit or if you fall accidentally, you could break your teeth. So typically we start off with this rubber bit and a simple strap. You can find uh, the bit in any tack shop. And then you, you put the strap on it however you can manage and go from there. You attach reins to the ring and lead people around. And then we build head stalls. That's what they're called based on the uh, bit. So they range from, oh, I don't know, something very simple that might cost less than $50. The most elaborate head stall I've ever seen was about 1500 and took many, many hours to make. That's impressive. What about the other type of tack that you would put on your pony. As Woody said, I've been at several events and noticed there were little specialized areas set aside for ponies, and they had saddles, carts, they had all kinds of things. How do you start that? If you were to train a pony, just say somebody came up and said, okay, I really I really want to do this. Can you help me? What would you do to get them going safely? What steps do you take? That's actually happened to me at least a dozen times. My favorite time was when I was at a a play party, a BDSM play party, and the host was uh, pony play friendly. He liked to watch it, but he he didn't really train or or lead or anything. He just thought it was neat to watch. 
so he encouraged pony players to come and use his backyard. So I was fooling around with a couple of pony types in the backyard, and there was a four foot eleven person watching us, and I really had not paid a lot of attention to who was watching, and we got tired of playing around and playing games out in the backyard, so we came in, and I was in the living room getting a drink, and this four foot eleven person got in my face and stared straight up at me into my five foot nine face and said, "I want to be a pony." <laughs> And so it was. <laughs> I looked down her and I thought, oh, my God, that's a lot of enthusiasm. So um, she wanted to be a pony right then. <laughs> so what did we do? Well, um, I had a head stall that I, I thought might fit her. I had a tail harness I thought might fit her. When I looked down and she had boots that looked really sturdy so we could play outside. And I wasn't you know, worried about her falling. We uh, put the head stall on her, got it adjusted, got the bit cleaned off first alcohol and stuff got the tail harness fitted and of course the first thing she does with the tail harness is swoosh the tail against her bare legs so she can feel the tail right seen that happen a number of times it's like i got a tail i got a tail (laughs) yeah you do (laughs) so (laughs) we took our uh newly tailed pony out in the backyard and i uh taught her to high step so i got a crop you put it under the leg, and i got to get that leg level. This is way harder than it looks. It uses muscles you don't use every day, and it's a challenge. So typically the people that keep playing like challenges. She really loved a challenge. She was like, well, she can be a pony. That means I can be a pony because I can do what she can do. Watch this. <laughs> and I proceeded to get a demo of what she could do and wear herself out learning to step and and to uh, trot and uh, canter and so forth. And we lunge. Lunging is where I stand at a point and I have leads that reach out to that bit. And they're attached or clipped to the rings and the end of the bit, right? I hope I'm making a decent picture here. And then I try to get you to advance around me in a circle. And I, I turn uh, by just, you know, turning in my spot. And the pony goes around in a circle. At about the same distance from me. Right, just like just like a horse in a ring. Yes, that's mm-hmm. exactly what I'm trying to get to happen. And that's exactly what you do with uh, horses when you're trying to get them to learn gates. They practice by going around in a circle with you just pivoting and not doing any of the work. I have a fondness for whips. So do you use whips on your ponies to encourage them? That is a huge fantasy question. Pony play is not painful. And getting struck doesn't usually encourage somebody interested in pony play to actually do anything except to try to bite you. It's <laughs> Boy, this <laughs> is like a real horse, isn't it? Yeah. I never use, I, I do crack a whip. It, it, sometimes the loud noise uh, will cause a human pony to run away from it. They're averse to the loud noise. It's scary. And you've been basically trying to focus on your trainer and all of a sudden, this loud noise comes. So, of course, you you speed up. You go faster around the circle. You you know, if you're not comfortable with the gait you're getting from your pony and how fast they're moving, crack something. That'll move them. <laughs> it works really well. I use a four-foot whip for that because, you know, it takes no talent at all to get a crack out of. But there are people who are skilled who use six-foot whips, which are called, amazingly, signal whips in the pony world, horse world. It's and in the other world also, yes. signal whips are quite popular. Yep. 
So, Tim, how long have you been doing this? Over 20 years. Oh, my. Off and on. And, Lindsay, how do you fit into this equation? Well, I fit into it because I was living uh, over on the east coast of Florida back before we met, and Tim was living north central Florida, kind of. In the land. In the land, and mm -hmm. I was over in the um, Melbourne, Palm Bay area, about three to four hours away. But we did attend munches over on the East Coast sometimes together. But I didn't know he was there. He didn't know I was there. And so Tim decided he wanted to find a pony of his own. And back then, it was, it was basically Yahoo groups. And the Yahoo groups, you could make yourself a profile and you could say on there what your interests were. And I had on there one of my interests as pony play. And Tim was going through the, the members list on that group. And came across me and saw that I was interested in pony play. So he contacted me, and the rest is kind of history. I just asked her if she wanted to be a pony, and she said, yes, sir. Well, I'd heard that before, but it's one thing to, to say hello on the Internet. Another thing to get them to actually meet. So we met at a munch in Brevard County, and we've been basically together ever since. How many years ago was this? That's 2007. Okay. So that's 10 years. We celebrated our 10th anniversary in April. That's when we marked the time. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. So all this lovely gear that you have gathered over your playtime in the horse world, it must have set you back a few thousand bucks. It did, but it didn't happen all at once. We followed a course that I think a number of people who are experienced follow. We, we got the first head stall, and it was like, oh, you know, as I train you, I see your personality is really like this. I know you're kind of Arabian, and I want a head stall that kind of brings out that personality, so let's get this head stall. Well, you know, a few more dollars later, <laughs> you've got another head stall, and then another head stall comes along, and then, you know, it's not enough to have the tail on the tail harness, you want a tail that you can use when you're riding on all fours, and that has to be shorter, so you get another tail. And the first cart, well, that was great, but there was a design flaw, and I didn't like a safety feature it had. It wasn't quite safe enough for me. So I, I talked to my guy, Sir Guy in England, and he pointed me to a record he'd kept of, of carts and how they're built and safety, and I designed my own, sort of like a Jedi Master with his... You can't be a Jedi Master without your, your lightsaber, right? So you got to have your own cart. <laughs> and this is really common in the pony world. We have right now a, a flood of people from the latest event we went to. The event was cart-based. Most of it was using carts. And after the event, there's this flurry of activity. Everybody's trying to find carts, make their own, rebuild them from rust buckets. It was, it's great. They're having a blast. Uh, sandblasting, mostly. They get the cart, they sandblast it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're not having fun, right? Until you oh, run yeah. out of metal. right? Yeah. <laughs> Lindsay did a lot of work on the tack, on the cart. She's in charge of our tack collection. Uh, she does the leather cleaning. Some of it stays where we live on display. It has to be taken down and cleaned every once in a while. We used to have the head stalls on a shelf in our bedroom, and you wake up in the morning and they're staring at you. You know, so, yeah, we collect and you end up collecting. It costs thousands of dollars, but you get started for, for cheap. A crop is five bucks. You know, the bit was 10 bucks. And, and it, unfortunately, if you're addicted. <laughs> like you are, right? Yes, yeah, so you yeah. spend a lot more than that. That's right. 
I was at Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco, and I saw a gladiator uh, chariot being drawn by a human horse, and it yes. was spectacular, absolutely yeah. spectacular. I know that chariot. It's famous. Yep. And the person who was pulling it is famous, too. That's right. <laughs> we know who it is. Yeah. Yeah. We tried to do that ourselves, and we ran out of money. We found a chariot that a high school band used and abducted it. But that turns out to be a major hobby, and, you know, there's limits. <laughs> there's limits to what you can do. <laughs> yeah. Time, money, all those things. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, we know that Folsom has, a, you know, a big public pony presence. I know there's an event in New York City in Central Park. Yes. What other events are there around the country where people can go and, you know, meet other ponies and, and talk and learn? That would take an entire 30 minutes, but let me do the highlights. Okay. Camp Chibble is the largest. It's going on right now. This weekend as we're recording this. Uh, it's in session. There have been up to 100 ponies at Camp Crucible at times, certain years. Now, I don't know how many are there this year, but it's it's a large thing. And it's very newbie-friendly. You can go there having no experience. Tell them you're interested in Pony Camp, and they will direct you. You can have your first-time experience there. Immerse yourself in it all weekend. And uh, it's absolutely a wonderful opportunity. That's up in the Baltimore area, I believe. Yes. Folsom, of course, is a great place to go watch. There are pride parades around the country. You can check with a pride parade to see if ponies have entered. Usually they're organized. Organizers need to know who's going to be in the parade. So if you check with the organizers, ask them if there are uh, ponies who have registered, and you can go watch and talk to them and meet them. So any pride parade might have that. Denver Pride has had it. Atlanta has uh, a lot of pony activity. There's uh, stables in North Carolina. In North Carolina. Oh, Wingnut. Yes, Wingnut Stables. Right. There is an event in central Kentucky. Uh, it comes up in September. It comes up in September. There is a pony event that actually occurs twice in southern Louisiana. It's fairly new. They just had an event there, kind of a, like a pony rodeo. Ponies on the Delta. Ponies on the Delta. They actually welcome spectators. They welcome new ponies. And the second event is a is, is, is called... Ponies, Critters, and Kingsters in the Swamp, and that's held in November. Okay. That's for anybody who wants to come out. Which swamp is this in? It's, it's in the Louisiana Swamp. <laughs> you were there. It's literally a, a, a campground in a swamp. You it's, go around the swamp. It's not the D.C. Swamp. It's, it's, no. It's no they drain that one. No. It's close to Springfield, Louisiana. It's in that general neck of the woods, but it's, I mean, it's out in the woods. Yeah. It's, at, it's actually held at a campground. That brings up something else worth talking about that, that most people don't ask, but it's good to know. Most pony play is done outdoors. There are hotel-based events that have pony play, and then you get this truncated, stunted version that isn't very realistic. Outdoor uh, pony play involves, you know, Things like mares barrel racing and jousting and cart races and, you know, things that horses do. And they don't, horses in hotel rooms are not usually welcome. True. Hotel rooms, when we do pony play, we're doing dressage. We do steps, we do stunts, we bow, we rear, we show off maneuvering. But it's not really the best place to be a pony or to show off what we can really do as a pony. There are events that have 
hotel-based pony play. Beyond Leather in South Florida, the International Pony Trainer Contest uh, there, the North American Pony Trainer Contest. Uh, There's several contests. The Queen's Cup Series. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I think that's still running. I think it's still. We're not really big on contests, but some of it is a lot of fun, and some of it's a lot of grief. And contesting isn't for everyone. They're similar to leather contests, and and you know people try to uh, tour and teach after them with varying degrees of success. That's one of the things you can do if you want to see pony play. If you want to learn more, is find one of the title holders, see who's traveling and teaching, find out where they're going to be. They may be coming to you, whether you're, uh, and that's Canada as well, Ottawa, Toronto, Edmonton, yeah, Vancouver. There's an international title holder for the pony event who actually does live in Canada. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. She won that competition here in the States. Cool. I want to ask you a question about caring for your pony. What do you need to do as a as a trainer or an owner to care for your pony? I started off as a groom, and that's the basic thing you do is in grooming. I uh, straighten out your hair. I have brushes. My little bag has uh, five kinds of brushes in it. I do massages. Muscles get sore. Having your jaw pushed open by a bit. Think about that for a minute, what that would feel like, being, having it held open for 15 or 20 minutes. A lot of people get sore. So you learn how to massage those little places at the corners of your jaw to, to reduce that soreness. You take the bit out, massage the jaw, put the bit back in, then you can play more, right? You, there's uh, petting and cleaning. Any kind of physical contact is usually welcomed by ponies and nose petting. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pet Lindsay's nose right now, which you can't see, and then we're going to get the result of nose petting. <laughs> Hopefully y'all could hear that. Excellent. It, it sounds just like at the barnyard, yeah. It, wonderful. <laughs> it made me smile bigly. <laughs> For any of our listeners that want to get into pony play, show up at one of those events that you have listed, and I guess people are there to help you along, right? Yes, exactly. What I usually do is... We have a green suitcase full of tack. I will take out the hooves and let people try them on. So you, you put your arms into these leather jackets. Your hands go down into this cast resin and wood hoof. And suddenly you have no hands. How does it feel? Some people do that for the first time. Their face lights up. It, it's so worth it. And they then I get them to clop the ends of the hoof together. And it makes a nice clop, clop, clop noise. And they're delighted. Then they don't want to take the hooves off. That's how I know we have a future pony. Some of them look down and they go, this is alien. Why did I put these on my hands? <laughs> Thank you for trying. We'll take them off immediately. And that's the sorting process right there. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I've noticed that in Europe, particularly in, in Germany, the ponies are just incredible. And the headgear, the headstock, the, the amount of money and the, and the craftsmanship that's invested in the pony scene is phenomenal. It's a huge difference in here. Do you find that to be different? Climate sets the pace for a lot of this. We're in a subtropical climate here in Ocala. It's the horse capital of the world. They train more horses here, and and their Kentucky Derby winners here and Triple Crown winners started here. So you would think that, you know, we would set the pace for the world in a way, but we don't. Uh, What we do is set the pace for subtropical climate. You can only train here certain times of the year and outdoors and other times 
uh, it's exhausting. If you come here with a German full coverage suit, very common in Germany, think about the climate difference. That's very comfortable in December in uh, outdoors in Germany on the street. And that's what they do. They go out in the snow in those full coverage suits and they're very comfortable. And that's amazing that they don't, you know, have negative repercussions from the people passing by. It's very accepted there. It's a different culture. You get to be who you are. It's um, libertarian philosophy and a libertarian way of life. Libertad, they say. And the French have a similar culture. It's like, oh, they're just being themselves. Let them be themselves. We all get to be ourselves. Would that we could import some of that. But I've helped on uh, a German with his uh, full coverage suit. There's talc powder in it. It's very difficult to get on. It's a lot of work. I applaud that. You feel encased in it. It's They call it the second skin. So this leads to a different kind of style and motivation. For those who are listening, if you like bondage, if you like being encased, if you like being hugged by rope or leather or rubber, now think of the rubber encasement or whatever it is that hugs you as putting on this equine appearance. That's what that style is all about. It's feeling encased and covered and like you have the second skin that you've put on the horse, okay? But if you try to do that in Ocala, you're going to suffer. Yes, you're going to probably have a heat stroke. Yes, you, it's it's not even very safe. So here you see a lot of skin. So in the middle, we have people who put on spandex or what was that the Zentai, Zentai suit. suits? Zentai suits, which you get from dancewear. But those breathe, and you still get the second skin effect. You see that a lot in America and in Australia. You don't see the full coverage suits in Australia. And in England, the full coverage suits are a little on the rare side, even though it does have cold times. And mostly that's done outdoors. It's very cart based. Whereas in Germany, we're seeing pictures of parades, right? They find little groups of uh, ponies that look similar. They haul carts in the street and show off. And the full coverage uh, head thing, that preserves your privacy. So you get to be, you know, you get to be a pony with no identity revealed, which is uh, pretty awesome. Whereas here, even with the bit, whatever, you can still tell that who it is underneath all that, right? I think it also helps for headspace. It does. The headspace, though, is a trained thing. That's that's what I specialize in. I'm not the best trainer for gates or jumping or barrel racing or anything like that. What I'm good for is introducing people to the pony they have inside. And that's what I've done over the years. I figured out how that worked early on. And it's interesting to see people stop thinking and start feeling and just be an animal for a little while. And it's an escape. Lindsay finds it refreshing. Mm-hmm. And that's what most people tell me. Yeah, it's a relief from pressure, from everyday life and pressures. And it was just very relaxing for me. I've heard that before too. I think it's I think it's really neat. Gee, I'm really curious. I'm even more curious. I'm curiouser all the time. What do you oh, no. mean? <laughs> yeah, you, you may have a, a volunteer here. Okay. What do you see happening next in the pony world? Do you see anything new and coming up? The IPPC, the International um, Pony Contest in South Florida, had no contestants this year. Maybe that ran its course. That would be an interesting milestone. We haven't had a new training video produced in, in years, so we're hoping that happens. I think Europe uh, will do more than they've done in the past. The German scene is growing. People are finding each other more easily now than they did five years ago. 
Uh, I think your question's interesting because I have that, you know, 20 year perspective. There are trends. Pony play is moving more in cold weather climates than it is in warm weather climates. More people are finding each other, more clubs form, more practicing is happening in colder weather. The economy picking up since 2010 has helped us a lot. Travel is expensive, but we're so sparsely scattered. So it's very important to be able to afford to get to where you can have, you know, a small herd, a small group, people to exchange ideas and show each other what they have. That's the very core of our our culture. When you can't travel, when you can't meet other ponies, when you can't feel the herd, that inhibits our growth as a culture. Hopefully the economy will stay reasonably good and people will continue to travel, go to these events, enjoy each other and get new ideas about what they can do together. I hope so, too. I'd hate to see it. Well, everything ebbs and flows. So, you know, it's it's a cycle. And maybe what you're seeing in Florida, particularly right now, is just one of the ebbs. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hope to meet you at, at an event one day. That would be wonderful. I'd love to see Lindsay in her pony gear all comfortable and, and happy. We're mostly retired. Lindsay's a judge, was a judge in an event this year, and I was an observer and photographer. I've taken about, oh, five or 6,000 photos of pony play, and I'm going to buy a GoPro camera, a sports camera, and, and take some uh, sports-based movies of ponies doing their thing uh, at the next event we go to and the next and the next and see where we can go with that. No one, to my knowledge, has used a GoPro to record pony play. So that's where I'm going. It gives a whole new uh, point of view perspective. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I think it's a sport. My understanding is that it's an outdoor sport. Watching these athletes, sometimes amazing athletes, jump, run, run marathons, uh, work so hard to to win, show what they have, to give their heart. And uh, to have that not recorded, just it kills me. So I'm going to record them doing their thing, and hopefully they'll let me share it and, you know, show off. Almost all these ponies are show-offs. <laughs> they want to show you. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I think this is a, a, a great introduction into what uh, pony play is. And I uh, would certainly recommend our uh, listeners, if you find this interesting, to seek out a, a stable near you and check it out. Yep. May we pass on your contact information if somebody has questions? Yep. The website can. address is POK Stables. Uh, with an underscore, and we have a website at plkstables.org. On that site, you'll find uh, historical information on the groups we've run, photos, videos, information on Lindsay. Lindsay's, uh, Pony Girl Lindsay's Corral site is within that. It's more than you'd care to see, but we have people who write us and say, I've seen everything on your site. It's like, wow, you have more patience than we have. <laughs> well, those links will be on the show page in case anybody wants to check them out. Click through that, and uh, you will find all that you want to know. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a real pleasure talking with both of you. Lindsay, thank you. Thank you. Say goodbye, Lindsay. Ah, <laughs> oh, there you go. And Tim, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. I enjoyed it. Thank you. You have been listening to episode 182 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. 
on behalf of all our kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we present Yum Yum Panda Self Rigor.